Hello and welcome to the Natural Born Quiller. This episode we have one hell of an awesome guy. We have Mr. Bob Defendi. Now Bob is my Amazon buddy. Because of our time differences, we can't stalk ourselves on Amazon to see how our bestseller rank is going. So he checks out mine while I'm asleep and I check out his while he's asleep. May I introduce to you, Robert Defendi. Now, tell me about your experience with recording your own audiobook because I felt like I slowly began to hate myself the more I recorded my own book. It was tor- it was a form of torture for me personally. So I recorded the audiobook for Death by Cliché for those of you just uh since we're picking this up in the middle of a conversation. Um uh as a podcast. And uh, because when I originally shopped the book around, everybody told me, everybody told me unanimously, they loved it. Nobody else would. (laughs) Now that is a blurb that goes on the back. (laughs) Yeah. Every single person who read it said, I get it. It's unsellable uh, is what every person told me. And so I was like, well, I think there's a market out there and just nobody believes there's a market. So I uh, recorded it as a podcast after I'd been rejected like 50 times. And, um, and put it out there and I, I had like 5,000 downloads or something, you know, it was, it was good downloads, but not enough to hit that 10,000 mark where, uh, magic starts happening, you know? Um, and so I, uh, really didn't worry about it anyway. So then CQ picked it up, uh, because, uh, Wymore, who's, uh, a CQ author, but he's also an acquisitions editor, um, saw me at a convention and I was probably funny because that's why they put me on panels at conventions. And, um, he's, and I mentioned the comedy and he goes, well, if he's funny, uh, maybe I'll download the podcast. So he had a horrible family vacation he had to go on and he brought the podcast with him and listened to it over the family vacation and then bought the book, uh, because of it. That's like one of those fairy tale moments, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Took me like a year to accept the offer, but, uh, yeah, I, I left him hanging for a long time. Uh, then... We started to record. We, our plan was that we were going to release the podcast with whatever changes we made through the editorial process. And I played it for my audio guy, and he said, "Good God, no! <laughs> <laughs> you've got, uh, you've got to be effing kidding me! Um, are you a madman? There is no way we can match this horrible sound quality." Uh, no, no, for the love of God, no. Uh, well, something like his reaction, just something generally like that. And so we just re-recorded it from scratch. That's amazing. Yeah, so I recorded that whole book twice. Yeah. <laughs> so you hated yourself by the end of your recording? Oh, yeah, I hated myself. I was just saying um, to Benjamin on the other uh, episode that we did, I had to record mine in a pantry. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Nice. So, I mean, one, you're distracted by food. You know, there were chips and chocolates in there. So that was all good. Second is when I'm recording, I suddenly forget how to speak. And the easiest words suddenly feel like I'm speaking a different language. And I start stumbling and stuttering and I just, I can't do it. And then you get that dry mouth as well. You get really thirsty. So you're constantly taking drink breaks and then, oh, no, like it's, it's not for me. I did Broken Dolls, but someone else can do my other books. I swore I wrote a two, three hundred word sentence uh, at one point during it, during a fight scene, um, which is this breathless sentence with no punctuation 
uh, which is just fight choreography. Like he dodged and thrust and jumped and ran and dodged and, yeah. you know, and, and, and hacked and slashed and hacked and hacked and hacked. And it just went on like that for a page as he grew more and more frantic. And man, that was the hardest thing to record. <laughs> I did the I did something like that like three or four times in the book, and I was just in tears by the end of those <laughs> recording sessions. Do you have to? Uh, do yeah. you put on different voices when you're doing different characters? Um, yes, but see, all of my characters are bad gamer voices, so it's very easy. Like um, the love interest has a British accent, but it doesn't have to be a real British accent. It just has to be a British accent that a gamer could produce. <laughs> So, so she sounds vaguely pseudo American British, and uh, I've never really worried about it beyond that. And then you've got the 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 you you know, so she just you know she just sounds vaguely British, um, but not in any really. No, I mean it's not it's not terrible or anything, but it's not. I mean it's not going to fool a British person. Um, But that that, that's that that's how she sounds. And then you've got Omar, and Omar just kind of sounds like this. And then you've got... Um, Dude, you're good. You've got Gorthander. Gorthander sounds like this. And then you've got Arithian. Arithian has an overdeveloped sense of Shakespeare. Arithian, <laughs> Arithian says privy at the end of every sentence, and he doesn't know what it means. Arithian calls everybody good, my lord, uh, because he read that in a Shakespeare play once. And Arithian never got over high school and high school drama. That's what Arithian is like. Um, so, yeah, so we, the, we ha- those are the main five characters and everybody, everybody else just kind of gets whatever character they get when they, when that, they come That happens up. when you're just reading it. Yeah. Well, see, mine, uh, all my characters are American. Okay. But I can't do an American accent, okay? Like, I'm really, really crap at it. So, <laughs> <laughs> they're all American with an Australian accent. Oh, that's good. Which doesn't quite work. Yeah, it, it's very odd. And on top of it, there's the professor who's a main character. And he's a 50, 60-year-old man. Uh-huh. So, me as a 25-year-old woman, trying to do, you know, a, you know an old man voice, it, it didn't pan out so well, I feel. So, I, I apologize to any of the listeners who are there going, what, what is this? What, what's she doing? Well, well, the big thing is try not to, uh, uh, that I found, is try not to imitate the other gender. There's nothing worse mm. than a man who goes falsetto to do a woman's voice. That's why I gave... <laughs> yeah. Ladiana, the British accent, so that I would pitch my voice up slightly, but it's still within my normal range. And uh, I would do the British accent, and that way you knew when she was speaking because of the accent, but I wasn't doing anything strange with it. I wasn't going, oh, breathy, blah, 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 blah. Oh, I hate that. I hate it when readers do that. I, I listened to like 10 audiobooks in a row that did that, and they all bugged me. And then Anthony healed... Uh, read a Star Wars book I listened to and his Princess Leia just had a British accent and he had Leia's British accent that she had whenever she talked to Imperials. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but whenever she talks to Imperials, she has a British accent. She has an American accent whenever she's talking to Rebels. Um, and and she just switches depending upon who she's talking to. Um, but he just gave her the British accent all the time so you knew who it was. and And it just worked so well. And I was like, all right, that's that's how audiobooks should be. <laughs> you just give them a different voice and don't try to sound like a woman because when you sound like a woman, uh, you come out sounding like a 
breathy mutilated child or something. I don't know. It's, no, and it takes you out of that fantasy element because we do kind of make up our own thing in our heads, even when we're listening. But if it right. is so jarring, you kind of go, it's well, so well, jarring. what? Yeah. It's so bad. Yeah. So you mentioned falsetto and you seem to know a lot about voices. Are, are you a singer as well? Mm, not a good one. No. I, I, no. <laughs> I, I don't believe that because every time someone says, oh, I can't sing, they're always really good. Well, here's the thing. I have spent 40 years getting to the point where I don't embarrass myself. Like That's a good uh, stage my to buddy. Be at. Yeah, my buddy who uh, who um, records me thinks I am the worst singer ever. He thinks I am terrible and tone deaf and horrific. And his daughter, I was driving his daughter home the other day from Comic-Con and uh, she told him that I can sing show tunes and that I'm a good singer and he's like what happened? And I'm like, I've been practicing for 20 years, Belle. I'd hope I'd get a little better. <laughs> but I still, like, if somebody else is singing, um, like, I can't mm. do harmonies. If somebody else is singing anything different from me, I start singing what they're singing. Um, I just don't have any of the the musical skills that real musicians have. Um, I just don't embarrass <laughs> myself if I'm singing, like, along with the radio. That's as far as I get. <laughs> and karaoke if you're really drunk. <laughs> yeah. Wymore does these uh, choose-your-own-apocalypses. And um, I always equate myself. Uh, Choose-your-own-apocalypse is when they do this, three, this game. You have three different contestants, and each of them is representing an apocalypse. Um and they have to convince the audience that their apocalypse is best and get the audience to vote for them. And I always equate myself well in the artistic round if I'm running it. Uh, because what I do is I do a musical round and I put on a song and I sing along with the song. I try to get the audience to sing along with the song. And since I'm imitating the singer, I'm fine. Um, and if I crack or lose it, the singer's there on top of it. And usually you're on day three of Comic-Con and nobody's really judgmental if your voice is cracking at that point. Um, but, uh, Weimar always tries to do an acapella (laughs) (laughs) and it's always a disaster. He had us do the lonely mountain song from the Hobbit on his last one. There were like seven of us and me and this woman were the only ones who knew the, the tune or the words and the guys all kept on going off and they kept pulling me off because as I said, I can't do my own thing when somebody else is doing something different. And <laughs> and they kept pulling me off, and it was just a disaster. And it was the worst thing ever. But yeah, no, I mean, singing Werewolves of London, I won that one. Um, you know, Warren Zevron, yeah, no, it was great. We brought the house down. Um, but uh, that's because I was singing with Warren Zevron, and uh, <laughs> nobody was singing off key. <laughs> I always figure anytime you're singing with the actual singer, like that, oh, it's a great duet, really. Yes, yeah, you know, it's it's spectacular because you know you can tell who's the better singer because they improve the other person, right? Exactly. I never improve the person I'm singing with; <laughs> they always improve me, right? <laughs> See, that's the thing. Like, I'm a singing teacher because those who can't do teach, like, I can sing, but I'm not right. amazing. I mean, some people just don't have that ability. I've to seen be your YouTube regular. videos, oh, so don't be talking too much about that. I love. I, uh... I was watching one of your YouTube videos. My mother walked through the room and she goes, that's really good. <laughs> what a fan. <laughs> you have two in America at the very least. I don't know yes. about anybody else, but you have two in America. At Which the one least. was it? Um, da, da, da. It was a love song. I don't oh, was it the it. Nintendo love song where I'm talking about Zelda and stuff and Pokemon? No, no, no. It was, um, it was one uh, you put it on YouTube. 
Um, what what songs? If you gave me the titles, I could tell you. Uh, don't feel right. Um, maybe. Sweet luck. Give me some other. Uh, that just had a white background and me whinging to the camera, pretty much. Mm, no, I don't think so. Uh, sweet lullabies, black background, different might... colors. Again, me whinging that to the camera. That sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> That, that, that one sounds right. There because it was a dark background and you're whinging to the camera. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> that was so awkward to film because um, it was actually a local guy. He's a good friend. He said, look, I actually really like this song. I'd love to make a video clip. And I was like, oh, hell, hell yeah. Yeah, let's do that. And it was 10 o'clock at night and it's this really dark little room. And like, I'm a little bit of a princess, so I don't like standing for too long. And I had to stand there for two hours. I hadn't had dinner. <laughs> and then he sticks this big fan in my face to get the hair blowing, which you can't even see because it was dark. <laughs> no, it looks great. And then he had um, all these lights to get the, the effects, like the green and the blue and everything. And again, me being a diva, I was blinded. I, I couldn't find where the camera was in the end. <laughs> They're like looking around trying to find the lens. So, um, yeah, no, probably not a career I will be pursuing making music videos. Oh, no, I mean, theater theater is all standing around uh, Waiting. being miserable. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yes. I, I love to act. I, I really do. And um, just recently I was a lead in Willy Wonka. I played a flamboyant Wonka who was actually an imposter. Oh, really? Yeah. And look, it was great, but... Um, actually, I prefer theater because you're not waiting around as much. If you're in film, there's a oh, lot yeah. of just sitting and talking. Yeah, yeah. I, I was an extra on a couple movies and there's just nothing but misery. Yeah. <laughs> it's just nothing but misery. The only good thing about being an extra in movies is um, uh, you learn, well, I learned early on that the actors won't talk to craft services, um, but the extras will. So craft services will do anything for you because you're nice to them. Um, so, you know, you show up and you'll be like, hey, can we have lobster tomorrow? Next day, there's lobster. I mean, <laughs> the you found actors a loophole. Won't, oh yeah, the actors won't do anything nice for them, so they'll do nice things for us because we're nice to them, you know. <laughs> Paul Sorbino isn't going to talk to him. <laughs> I did. Um, I mentioned this on the other podcast that I'm on, but I was an extra recently in a film that, uh, or was a TV show. They filmed it in my town, and mm-hmm. I was mistaken for an actress because they let me dress in the actor's uh, trailer because I was like a flight attendant extra. And they said, I'll come in here, love. And they got me dressed up and everything. So just before we filmed, the lead came up to me and he was super nice, shaking my hand, asking me all these questions. And then when the uh, stylist came over to me, she mentioned something about how I was an extra. He gave me this dirty look, looked me up and down, turned his back on me and couldn't have been bothered. And I went, I was so offended. (laughs) But then I couldn't stop laughing because it was so ridiculous. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So I'm in the green room with Adrian Paul, right? And, uh, well, Adrian Paul's at the convention. And um, uh, I'm talking to uh, the woman who does makeup and one of the guest concierge women. And um, the guest concierge lady is saying... Um, Look, I'll do anything for my guests. I'll do anything they want. I'll do anything at all. Uh, she goes, well, nothing sexual. And then she stops and thinks. She goes, well, some of my guests. I go, Adrian Paul, right? And the makeup girl starts doing this finger pointing thing over my shoulder. And I said, he's right behind me, isn't he? Right? <laughs> and she nods. I turn, I look. And Adrian Paul's sitting with his shoulder even to my shoulder, 
facing the other direction at the table behind me, talking to somebody else. Um, I had no idea he was sitting there, right? But we're both leaning back from our tables and our heads are even with each other, right? And um, so we go on with our conversation, <laughs> you know, just pretending like that hadn't just happened. And then um, about an hour later, uh, Adrian comes over and sits down at the table with me. Uh, and he's eating his, uh, he's eating his dinner and, uh, both the women have gone away and I'm like, look both directions. I'm like, Adrian, you got to hear what happened this earlier. <laughs> You're going to love this story. <laughs> no names, but it's going to make your day. <laughs> oh, that is brilliant. <laughs> so have you got any other panels that you're going to be on this year at Comic Con or anything like that? Oh, I'm sure I will. I'm, uh. Um, I mean, I'm at every Comic-Con in Salt Lake. So, uh, like, FanX, they just did, and I was on three panels, and a lot of people didn't make the cut because they tried to get the... the they, there were, like, 200 of us in the Facebook group, and they 90 people didn't make any panels they because they cut down the panel list so 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 Salt Lake Comic Con has two conventions they have the Comic Con uh, the, the Comic Con in the in September which is huge and they have like 150,000 people 170,000 people something like that um and then you have um FanX in the spring and they made the conscious decision i think they were worried about guest relations uh and so they made the conscious decision to make FanX smaller and less panels and so um, a lot of people didn't get panels at FanX. Uh, so, but I got three panels at FanX. So I'll probably, oh, nice. like most Comic Cons, I get like five or six panels. Um, I mean, I don't Just know. Just an average what, day, not many. Yeah, I don't know what <laughs> the next one will be like uh, because we don't, haven't even really started the list yet. But um, the next thing we're doing is uh, Comic Con took over gaming, gaming Con here in the middle of the... June to July. I have two cons coming up in June and July. One is a uh, fire con, which is an academic thing where I'll be teaching classes and stuff. And then uh, gaming con. And I can't remember which is June and which is July. Um, I've submitted time at work for both of them. I have no idea which is which. I'll just go to which. I'll just, I'll just, just look it. at the schedule. <laughs> I just look at the schedule when, when the time off comes around. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's June and July. I have gaming con. And then... Um, uh, that one I have no, I don't know much about about what I'll be doing, but I've I've got a million words in print as a game designer, so um, I'll probably have a lot of panels at that one. Um, and then uh, the class one, I have no idea because they want to be really, really academic, and so my buddy Dan put in a class that we've always done or just a workshop we've always done. It's just basically a writer's workshop where we critique um, people's writing for an hour or two hours or however long he set up the class for. And then I do one that's called plot a novel in an hour where we have the class comes in and in 45 minutes, we plot an entire novel from beginning to end uh, using only suggestions from the audience. And Dan runs the computer, but Dan's not allowed to speak. Uh, and it's it's basically a me tap dancing for forty five minutes, and I bar- burn like four thousand calories. It's um, it's just it's just it's just flat out nonstop comedy improv while I'm teaching people that you can the plotting a novel is easy. 
Um, Dude, that's brilliant. You need to come to Australia. <laughs> it's really, it's really something. Uh, my buddy, uh, at, we do it at, um, at LTUE, uh, Life the Universe and everything every year or every other year because they won't let me do it two years in a row. <laughs> and uh, but my buddy always signs up uh, as a volunteer and he always signs up for all the, pan- as the gopher for all the panels that I, I'm on. And uh, it's just funny watching the people try to sneak by him because it's really popular and they always put it in a room with desks so it always has a low occupancy room <laughs> so and so pretty soon there'll be like people sitting on the floor all the way stacked up there uh, which i don't mind because uh, they put it in too small of a room um but he's just getting more and more frustrated because all these people are lying to him to get into the room <laughs> i'm like it's all right aaron don't worry about it <laughs> you don't have to stress I've got one interesting writing fact for you before we uh, wrap it up. Okay. Do you know Edith Sitwell? I know of Edith Sith- Sitwell. I know the name. Okay. <laughs> oh, so you're not, you're not best friends? No, yes. <laughs> Edith Sitwell reportedly liked to lie in an open coffin before she began her day's writing. Oh, well, that's a good one. Yeah. So now, look, I, I, I want to I analyze this. One, where did she get the coffin is what I want to know. I, I played Dracula in high school, and a coffin is not comfortable. I, I, I can't imagine <laughs> that they would worry too much about it. No, they fit like a coffin. And coffins, I mean, maybe she had hers custom made. Um, yeah, maybe coffins, she had it decked out. Man. Satin sheets. Yeah, I, it, was the, it was not, I mean, they'd roll me out onto stage, and bam, everything they'd bump me into was just excruciating. And uh, no, it was not, it was not a good, I mean, there was an inch too short. Um, some missionary had been brought back from Germany in it. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, it had a history. <laughs> so, yeah, but maybe she had, yeah, as you said, maybe hers was nice and decked out. Yeah. yeah. And I also want to know, where did she keep it in her house? You know, was it like the centerpiece in her lounge room? Was it the coffee well, table? Well, I'm assuming it's in the living room. Yeah. Obviously. Coffee table. Right. Done. Yes. No, I mean, you could uh, have it sitting on the base of the coffee table and just have the co- like a glass coffee table just right on top of it. So that way yeah. it's pretty and, and practical. Just, right. And then you just take off the glass and open it up and do your thing. And then you just fold it right back up and put the centerpiece on top of it again at the end of your Nosferatu session. Her family. Because I'm assuming she had a family. You know, would they walk past and go, Edith's in her coffin again. Don't worry. She'll be out in yeah. 20 minutes. She's just uh, plotting the next bestseller. Yeah. No, I'm, 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 I'm sure of it. I'm sure that's exactly how it goes. Uh, or, you know, maybe she had a hole in the backyard and she'd lower it down in now because then it would fill it with water. <laughs> she'd have to live in like a yeah. desert or there'd be a lot it of, sounds like a lot of effort bailing. Too. Yeah. I mean, if she lived with like a Navy man, it would be fine because Navy men know how to bail. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Look, otherwise it, it's it, an it odd one. I have yeah. never felt the uh, desire even when I've been procrastinating to jump into my coffin. So uh, I, I don't really have... Do you have a coffin? Not well. I could probably... I'll, I'll build a box. And I'm sure it will suffice. Okay. <laughs> because I was going to say, I mean, if you had a coffin, you could tell us where you got yours. Yeah. Because you, your first question was, where did she get it? That's true. And did she get a discount because she's using it living? <laughs> right. I don't know. I, 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 I'd assume matter. that if anything, they'd probably charge her more. This is true. Yeah. Um, because she's going to put a lot more wear and tear on it. I mean, if anybody sees the coffin, um, it's not going to look as pretty. It's going to take down the reputation of the person who built it. 
Uh, I think, yeah, and especially if it's a coffee table as well. Got, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think they're going to charge you a premium for having it out so much. <laughs> You know. I love it. So, look, tell us where we can find you on the socials. I'm uh, Robert J. Defendi on uh, Twitter, and I'm Bob Defendi or Robert Defendi on Facebook, and uh, I'm BobDefendi.com or RobertJDefendi.com on the internet. And uh, you can find me at any, just pretty much any convention in Utah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At any given time. <laughs> at least five or no. six on one day. Yeah, totally. No, 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 no. He's not See, popular at all. They've learned that I don't have to know about a subject to be on a panel. So that's a that's a that's a critical skill to have. I could just give color commentary. I didn't know anything about Edith Sidwell and I just did ten minutes on her. <laughs> I need your secret. <laughs> the cocaine. secret to life it's just BS your way it's, through. <laughs> yeah, just cocaine. Um, anyway, sorry. Go on. You were trying no, to and, you're, <laughs> and speaking of coffins, your book Death by Cliche is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Where else can we find it? I think Walmart now we're in. Audible. Yes. Audible. Audible. Obviously. Yes. With all your yes. uh, colorful characters that are much better yes, than and mine. Yes. And I scream at the top of my lungs to the point where the audio guy bought a new limiter um, <laughs> for Death by Cliche 2. I, I don't scream in this one. He's like, oh, good. It's not working. Uh, tossed it out. But um, doesn't matter. You don't yeah. do anything half-assed. You you went for it. No, no. <laughs> oh, yo, the doom scene. If you look at the audible, like not many people mentioned it in the Amazon review, but you look at the audible reviews, like half of them are just people writing doom over and over and over again because I scream it like 15 times in one scene. Oh, um, it's just at the top of my lungs. Just doom. All I'm imagining is again. Bender from Futurama where he goes doomed. Please tell me you watch Futurama. Uh, uh, yes, yeah. yeah. Just expect, uh, picture that, but at the top of my lungs and in an old man voice. Yeah. That is impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Look, thank you so much for coming on to Natural Born well, Color today. thank you. I've had a lot of fun. You'll have to come on yeah. again and we'll have to do an extended. Oh, no. I, you, anytime you want. I, this is my, this is the time where I just kind of go crazy and play Mass Effect. So, uh, I mean. Well, I'm actually going to go yeah. play a bit of Zelda Breath of the Wild because I am so hooked. I, I actually have an addiction. I think I have a problem right now. I think you do too, but I think it's a good problem and it's a problem that I would share if I hadn't just bought a 4K television to play Mass Effect. <laughs> Get your so. priorities right. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Too good. Thanks so much. Uh, and Thank we'll you. see you next time. Seems like yesterday the system, yeah, it had me beat, but I'm free to sing, I'm free to write, I'm fine.